Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the European show. Um, we're mainly going to look back at the Nations League because it was the only meaningful bit of international football that went on and then we'll obviously look ahead to um, this weekend of football and to join me in doing so is Nick as always so welcome back Nick. Hello hello welcome back as always how are you doing Jack? I'm, I'm doing all right. So as I said we'll first start with the Nations League. Um, we'll, we'll briefly talk about the semi-finals until we get on to the final. Um, the first semi-final was between Spain and Italy um, Spain actually took the lead through Ferran Torres. However, a Leonardo Benici red card then swung the game more in Spain's direction and then Torres scored again to double Spain's lead until um, Lucas Pellegrini scored a late goal to half Italy's um, deficit. Obviously, because I'm a salty England fan, I can say this means they didn't deserve to win the Euros because they lost to Spain. However, Spain obviously took them to penalties in the, in the semi-finals of the Euros. But do you think that this the, the Benucci red card kind of really changed uh, how the game was going? Uh, yes, I do think it did. I don't. I don't think that Italy would have certainly won if Benucci was still on the pitch. But uh, I mean, as as per most red cards, it certainly negatively affected Italy's game and the way that they were playing. And um, especially since uh, it happened right as Italy was breaking, was coming, was getting back into their stride. And because uh, there was quite a lot of Spanish dominance throughout the game, and and in that first part. Um, Italy was really choked back and they were kind of being being held against the ropes and then when they start uh, reorganizing their play getting used to Spain's, Spain's the possession football and, and, and the way they play uh, Bonucci gets sent off and it kind of throws the side back into chaos again which which well really it was it really undoubtedly um, screwed over screwed over Italy so yeah I, I I would, without a shadow of a doubt, say that it negatively impacted Italy. However, Spain did play a pretty good game overall, and I would say that they were superior in superior to Italy in quite a few parts of the match, even when they were even when it was eleven versus eleven. So I wouldn't certainly say that they needed Benucci to win. So sorry, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that with Benucci they would have won, but it, but it would have certainly been a closer affair. And obviously, that we spoke about it last time. There was some. Controvert, not controvert, interesting decisions behind um, the team selection of, of Luis Enrique, um, such as him starting Gavi. But Gavi did play well, um, which is obviously something we should note. However, I, I do believe if if Lucas Enrique stops picking some pretty shit players, um, Spain could potentially be, obviously injuries were standing, um, Spain could definitely be favourites for this World Cup as they are looking like a very decent team. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think I, I do kind of like Luis Enrique's ballsiness. I, I personally was pretty critical of, of him starting Gavi because I was under the the false impression that Gavi was a was a mediocre footballer. It turns out that I'd only seen him playing under Kuman and he just everyone sucks under Kuman. But uh, but he it was actually very impressive. And I think that um, Luis Enrique brings 
something that we haven't seen uh, in a while before in in Spanish football, in, in Spain's football really, which is kind of structured attacks and order in terms of going up the pitch because every manager that had managed Spain in the last few years kind of knew like, oh yeah, you know, Spain does possession football. Yeah, 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 that's whatever. You pass the ball around a bit. Um, but like they don't you know what it means in terms of like actually scoring. So you just get these dead sides that just ping the ball around the, the lower midfield and the back and they're just like, oh yeah, we're passing the ball. That's what Spain does, right? But Luis Enrique knows how to get this passing philosophy into something that will create danger. And obviously he doesn't, it's not like Spain is the most threatening side and if you like compared to to good goal scoring teams they, they, like Spain doesn't score as many as that but at least they they can create threat and they can move up the pitch effectively in possession of the ball with 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 control and with calm and patience and so that's that's the main highlights or the main purpose of Luis Enrique's football and uh sure he has some rather um, exotic picks for his lineups but i think that usually they're they're good calls and um, they can help amplify or this this style of football of his. Uh, of course, there are some questionable decisions, such as Sergio Roberto is still a dead footballer. But um, but meanwhile, as I mentioned, Gavi impressed me a lot. Busquets, once again, a player who seemed completely dead, just washed up under Kuman, played very well uh, in the Nations League. In fact, the, the the midfield with with Koke, Busquets, and Gavi was like ridiculously good in the two games. Koke didn't start the the second, but when he came on, he played a good match. And in the first one, he was absolutely crucial. M- maybe the best midfielder that th- that they had there. And so with the three of them, you have so much like I don't know. It's just control of the game, and they know what to do with the ball and how to turn, how to pass, how to dictate the tempo when the when the team needs to go slower, when they need to go faster, and that that's a product. Oh, Luis Enrique's good coaching and, and instructing them what to do on the ball. Um, obviously, as we said, they they won the game 2-1. And then it, that meant in the final they were playing France, who beat Belgium 3-2. Um, Belgium were actually in the driving seat with this game as they took the lead through Yannick Carrasco and Romelu Lukaku. Um, but a great Benzema goal and an Mbappe penalty um, equalised or brought the game level for France and then Romelu Lukaku had a goal disallowed for offside late on that looked like it won it for Belgium before Teo Hernandez then scored the winner um, even later on than Lukaku's obviously to win it for France and obviously as, as we know this Belgium team is slowly coming to the end of its cycle and they have won nothing um, and all and a country the size of Belgium and we've, I think we've mentioned this before will never produce this type of generation for a while um, and the thing that will hinder them most at the World Cup obviously if they qualify which is looking very certain will be their defence obviously with withstanding um, Thibaut Courtois their centre backs are either really Shit. old yeah. or just terrible and that and this was proven again as you come up against Kylian Mbappe and you get torn apart um, 
and it just shows that they, they aren't able to deal with the best in the world which is quite difficult when you're in a World Cup coming in the latter stages especially coming up against the best players and the best teams in the world and obviously it'd be a shame if this Belgium team is unable to win anything to prove that they were the golden generation yeah absolutely I do think it would be very unfortunate especially with I mean especially with the amazing quality that this team has however I would also say that um, even their star players up front are beginning to to fade a bit as well. Uh, in particular, Hazard, you can you can tell he's been he's been off on and off quite a lot these past few seasons. Um, because in I mean in the second Nations League game he played, he he was pretty good and he showed slight flashes of quality. But in the first one, he was very dead. And he was nothing compared to the hazard that Belgium was graced with for eight years, something like that. But I, I said eight, by the way. I, I think I didn't say that very clearly, but eight years. Um, so with, and soon that's going to start happening to to even the best of the best, like the Browner, and and such. They already lost the the one and only Fellaini. So the 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 defense is beginning to or I know it has just begun to deteriorate but soon uh, all parts of the all parts of the team are going to become getting worse and worse which is definitely a shame to see yeah and obviously um, this Belgian team obviously the 2014 World Cup was their first proper tournament together and the first in a while so it's understandable that they only made only made it to the quarterfinals. Um, you know, they ended up losing to the future winners of future second place, Argentina. Um, just and then obviously in 2016 they lost to Italy, and where they could have done better. Um, 2018, as we know, they they made it to the semi-finals, only to lose to France again. And obviously 2020 or 2021, they lost to Italy once again. Um, but yeah, if they if they're able to unearth some world class central defender in the next year, um, I think they will struggle at the World Cup, especially with as you mentioned some of their other players beginning to beginning to age as well. They do have some nice replacements in some parts of the pitch. For example, Yuri Tielemans uh, is a very solid midfielder and he can do a lot in every in every aspect. And Jeremy Doku is beginning to show a lot of promise despite being injured at the moment but uh, they don't look like they have a full team that will be amazing so now we're going to have our break and then we'll talk about the final and maybe some other stuff about the international break Welcome back from our break. We'll now look at the the final of the Nations League. Um, obviously, France played Spain, and France won two one to become the second ever winners of the Nations League. Obviously, after Portugal. However, um, this game was not without its controversy, as Spain did take the lead um, through Oyarzabal, um, um quite early. 
or in, in the second in, in the second half. Um, however, Karim Benzema literally equalised two minutes later. Um, however, the controversy then came um, quite late on when Kylian Mbappe was played through in what looked like an offside position um, to then score the winner for France. However, no, 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 no way. The controversy began much earlier, quite near the start of the game actually, in about the 15th to the 20th minute, when Jules Koundé clearly touches the ball with his hand in the box. Like he has his, his arm behind him, someone bangs in the cross, and it's like, he doesn't move his arm, and it touches like his elbow. It's obviously a handball, and it's an obvious penalty, but if the, the ref, even after consulting VAR, it doesn't, doesn't act upon it. And then there was the, the incident of of um, Mbappe's through ball. Obviously, um, it looks offside. However, due to the rule, Eric Garcia, who, as we know, is not the most competent defender, <laughs> attempts to play the ball. And obviously the angle that is constantly shown is pretty terrible. So you can't really determine... Um, if he did properly, t I'm assuming he did, because obviously if he didn't, it wouldn't have been played um, on side. Uh, but then obviously he plays Mbappe on, on, and then ultimately Mbappe scores. Um, yep. Yeah. How, however, I do disagree with that interpretation of the rule, because I mean, if he had tried to play the ball, fair enough. But that th that means that he wanted to pass or control or something like that, which he clearly didn't. He wasn't trying to play the ball, he was trying to clear the ball, just intercept the pass, no matter what. So I, I, I do think that the ref made another wrong decision there. Is, because is that what, not what, an attempt at playing, uh, uh, playing the ball, trying to clear it? Because you're, 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 you're throwing your leg at it to try and... Playing the ball is trying, trying to clear or, is, is trying to clear or pass. Sorry, it's trying to control or pass, because or else... What was Eric Garcia meant to do? Granted, it is fair to criticize him for not getting there or being badly positioned. But at the same time, he did have to slide for it. He just had to because what's he going to do? Let the ball pass through him and hope Mbappe doesn't get the ball? Ironically, ironically enough, if he didn't touch it or slide for it, Mbappe would have been offside. Yeah, no, exactly. But he didn't know that at the time. He just had to. He had to go for the ball. And then obviously that won it for, um, for France. Yeah, which was once again won a game because of uh, favourable refing decisions as happened in the previous uh, Nations League game. Oh, uh, but there's not really a lot you can take away from... I know we've just spoken about how Belgium and, and Spain could do next year, but I think for, for both France... The only thing for France was their redemption, as obviously they had a quite a poor showing in the Euros, getting knocked out to Switzerland. This was their only. Um, that's the only thing you can really take away from this. And Fritti, it's uh, Jorginho is such a terrible midfielder and didn't deserve any form of accolades. I I kind of disagree on that one. He's not <laughs> as good as some people say, but he's pretty good. He I just had a one bad game. If he game. wins the Ballon d'Or, then. Okay, no, 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 he shouldn't win the Ballon d'Or. He should, he should not win the Ballon d'Or. As fun as I think it would be. Uh, the final thing we'll talk about for the international break was Lothar Matthäus, obviously um, esteemed German international 
um, won the World Cup, several Bundesliga, the Champions League. He's won it all. Um, he has said that Germ the German national team, who were the first team to qualify for um, the World Cup after Qatar, need a proper striker. Which is quite funny because obviously they have Timo Werner. <laughs> Um, and his suggestion was Simon Terod. Obviously, mm -hmm. a man I've mentioned before. He's he's a stalwart of the Zweite Bundesliga. Can only score in the Zweite Bundesliga. He did suggest that to Hansi Flick calls Terod up to be the main man in the German team. And I think thirty-three-year-old Zweite Bundesliga Simon Terod. I think. It would just look so odd, but I think it would somehow <laughs> somehow work because obviously you have Simon Terode up front, and then you have the likes of Leroy Sane, Serge Gnabry, obviously Thomas Muller being similar age to him, but you've just got this youthful team behind him, especially when you sub on the likes of Florian Verts, Jamal Musiala, and Kareem Adeyemi. They're all just. I I think it would be great just to see if Germany could do anything with potentially win the World Cup with Simon Terode <laughs> up front. That would be such a way to end a career. A man who can't really do anything in the Bundesliga somehow leads Germany to the World Cup. But obviously you could argue that in the, in the first few stages of the tournament, he would actually be quite useful because obviously the defending of some of the teams may be a bit more what he's used to. Um, I've just shat on the quality of the teams. Um, <laughs> but but it's true. No way you compared them to Schweider Bundesliga teams. That's ridiculous. Um, but then obviously, um, the, in the latter stages of the tournament, he may still be useful. He could be a bit like a Romelu Lukaku type of player. Just probably disregarding... That Lukaku is world class? Yes. <laughs> Similar attributes, but not executed in the same way. It's just definitely something that should be watched out for, because I think it would be very, very amusing and interesting if come November, Simon Terode is called up to the national team. Mm. Um, and so now... We'll now look ahead to this weekend's games and we will first start with the Bundesliga. Um, the biggest game this weekend is, is between Bayer Leverkusen and Bayern Munich. It's first versus second. Um, obviously Bayern Munich are coming off their loss to Eintracht Frankfurt, whereas Bayer Leverkusen are just steamrolling um, their way. This is definitely, obviously they have played Borussia Dortmund and did lose in one of the games of the seasons. But apart from that, they've looked very good. And I do think this would definitely probably be the game that everyone should watch this weekend because of, one, how chaotic every game by Leverkusen has been and seems to be. And there's been a common occurrence that games after the international break tend to provide chaos with such as RB Leipzig and Bayern Munich as well as Borussia Dortmund versus Bayer Leverkusen so I definitely think it'd be we, I, said, I said this about the Dortmund team when they 
in beating Frankfurt at the start of the season. This game is definitely going to be good to help judge where Bayer Leverkusen are in terms of the league. So if they beat Bayern Munich, then you could maybe start considering them um, title contenders. But um, if obviously they lose, then they know that they are still a way off. However, you do have to take into consideration that they are quite a youthful team. Um, Bristol Dortmund are playing Mainz. Um, obviously, they were missing Erling Haaland for the previous few games. However, he will be back. Um, what's interesting about this game, though, is the Dortmund Stadium will be at full capacity in the first time for a while, as um, the law in North Rhine-Westphalia has said that they are now allowed um, full full capacity stadiums and what's funny enough is you could even buy tickets for the Dortmund game which obviously um, is normally notoriously quite difficult you could still buy quite there were still quite a few left when I looked um, the other day and then in the top spiel game you have Borussia Mönchengladbach versus Stuttgart um, obviously Borussia Mönchengladbach are I've seen they've beaten Borussia Dortmund and they've beaten Wolfsburg. Now they they looking to finally glue under Adi Hütter, and but they were quite convincing win against Wolfsburg. I do think this will be quite an interesting game to watch. Um, yeah, that's that's all I really have to say. Um, mm. We're now going to have a break and then we'll be back with the rest of the leagues. Welcome back from our break. You just heard the Nations League theme song. Um, Nick, what do you, you make of it? I didn't like it much. I thought it was unnecessarily intense for some for a competition as small as the Nations League. Um, so I would give it a 3 out of 10. It doesn't really suit the mood. I'll give it a 5. Um, only because a few months ago I found out that during the theme song it says the Nations League. Um, that's, kind of, that's kind of a Champions League rip-off though I don't like that well it's done by UEFA like say what uh, you want um, over on La Liga go ahead Nick I'm going to pull up the calendar right now because all I know is fucking Alexi's not playing hold on <sighs> well unfortunately this stupid three, three game week sorry three game per, per international break thing is really screwing over La Liga since so many South American players play a lot of um, and they they will be returning late uh, today or tomorrow uh, evening they they games are being postponed all over so that these players have time to recover before their before their games so the two biggest clubs in Spain Atleti and Real Madrid will have their games postponed one of them would have been against Athletic Club which was Real Madrid's game and uh, Granada which is Atleti, Atleti's game is also being postponed so we won't have the the most interesting uh, or the best teams playing unfortunately 
However, we have a good substitute actually as Sevilla plays Celta Vigo, which should be quite interesting. Celta began the season pretty well and has begun to collapse, but uh, they were playing some good football. And obviously I do like watching Sevilla quite a lot because they do generally always play so some really thrilling stuff. So hopefully we'll see a bit of a goal fest with Sevilla hammering the the pretty low down the dump Celta. And then uh, beyond that, uh, there's not a lot of other interesting games except um, Valencia will be beating Barcelona at Camp Nou on Saturday in a, in a game that I, I'm mildly interested in watching because like, come on, let's be real here. Barcelona are the underdogs. They're like actually just so disorganized and, and they just get beaten so easily by every team that they play against. The like, when you heard the interviews from from Valencia's players going into the game, they were all disrespecting Barcelona. They were like, "Yeah, this is basically the year. Like, the, like, this is the year that we can beat them in Camp Nou. This is this is the best chance we've got. Or like, if there's one team we can beat right now, it's Barcelona. That, that's what they're all saying. And when when a team walks in with that much confidence into your home ground, that's when you know you're like as low as possible. Because realistically speaking. Three years ago, four years ago, Valencia players in interviews would be saying, would be cautious. They'd be like, oh, we would like a win, but we know Barcelona is strong and it's a hard place. And now they're just saying like, yes, we're out to get three points and we're confident we can do it. So, um, well, this is, seeing how Valencia has this kind of uh, morale boost um, and how everyone's kind of treating this game. And surely the Barcelona players will be um, intimidated by that, as I don't think they have like the mental um, strength—not not strength, but they don't have like the mentality to turn it around and say, "No, we're the bosses in this in 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 the camp." No, so I think they will kind of feel a bit bullied and kind of let themselves get run over by Valencia. So I do think—I uh, I mean, I did kind of say this as a joke that Valencia will beat Barcelona, but I I think it's extremely possible that they will almost certainly take away a point. Uh, from from the match, so that is probably one of the most interesting. That is probably the most interesting fixture. It is the most. I don't know why I'm saying probably. It is just straight up the most interesting fixture. Um, on Barcelona, it were, it's worth noting that Pedri has signed um, a new contract. Uh, most notably, the fact it has a one billion euro release clause. I guess they're scared of Newcastle United. Um, yeah, literally the only people that can pay that are probably Newcastle United. And and that is it. Mm. And yeah, there's not really a lot else to say about that. Um, obviously, as we know, anything can happen. You know, Neymar had an outrageous release clause that got paid. Anything can happen in football. Um, in France, um, PSG are playing on Jair. Um, Lyon against Monaco in probably the biggest game of this weekend and then Marseille against Lorient um, and then in Italy Lazio are playing Inter Milan um, Milan are playing AC Milan are playing Hellas Verona Napoli are playing Torino and then the biggest game in Italy is between Juventus and Roma obviously this will be peak Jose Mourinho time um, <laughs> he'll have the psychological battle 
um, with a, quite a weak Juventus team psychologically, which I think will definitely um, help Roma. Um, help Roma, and I just think it'd be uh, great to see. We'll see peak shit house Mourinho in this game. Absolutely, I. I do love the his. I don't know, just his way of being. I hated him when he was managing Real Madrid because he was, I mean, the rival manager of, of Atleti. But um, and I hated him while he was at Chelsea because he bought all of Atleti's managers after Atleti beat him in the in the in multiple competitions. But then, uh, but I now that now that uh, I don't have any direct rivals rivalries with him. Not me personally, obviously, but the teams I like. Uh, I do love enjoying his his shit quite a lot. Um, so that is it for today. Um, thank you for listening. Um, please like us, follow us, um, share us, whatever. And yeah, we'll, we'll, we will be back next week. Yep. Thank you very much, and we will see you after Valencia comes away with three points from Camp Nou. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.